sauce. In the kitchen whipping sauce. Kitchen whipping sauce. Whipping, whipping, whipping sauce. Whipping, whipping sauce. Texture dripping with the sauce. Dripping with the sauce. Finesse getting it with the sauce. Getting it with the sauce. In the kitchen whipping sauce. Kitchen whipping sauce. Whipping, whipping, whipping sauce. Whipping, whipping sauce. My texture dripping with the sauce. Dripping with the sauce. Flexing on it with the sauce. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Chef Life TV. Um, I have a uh, a very, very special guest. I know I said that a lot, but today it means a lot that he's willing to come on the podcast. This is the first chef <laughs> that I put on my <laughs> Chef Life magazine cover. Fucking poster boy, bro. <laughs> um, I I have a tough time pronouncing your last name, so I'm just going to yeah. say Chef Christopher. Uh, yeah, it's 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 Christopher Lyon, but you know, Lyon, New York. Okay. I answer to anything. Let's be realistic. Right. Hey, um, how's it going, man? Yeah, oh, dude, life's a dream at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit, man. Shit. Yeah, well, you know, you 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 adapt to the hand that life fucking deals you, and just kind of you make the the very best of it. So, Salve, man. Yeah, Salve, so what's good? You're well. Ah, you know, maintaining. You know, I had to switch my my video podcast to audio, which is, you know, I gotta gotta take the go with the bad because now I'm only gonna do people that I that can't come to the studio to shoot the live show. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I'm taking advantage of that. Yeah, um, nice. Let's let's jump right into it, man. Yeah, um, for sure, man. FYI, man, I just started doing this podcast thing out the blue. Right. Yeah. So if, if if I'm not the best host in the world, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I know I say um a lot and it's um yeah. this and um that, but as time passes by, I will get a whole lot better. I'm <laughs> sure I'll be good, bro. So so you started your race in the kitchen as a as a dishwasher. Yeah, pretty much, man. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um I was still in high school, sort of thing. Um, friends of mine all kind of started working like McDonald's and all that sort of nonsense. I was just like, oh, I can't. Like I can't, can't do it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like a friend of the family was a manager there. She's like, you know, come along. Your friends are doing it. You know, great. You know, some cash. I was like, it just, just seems too structured for my liking. Yeah. Um, well, you know, when you're 15, you just like you just want to rebel against everything, don't you? But um, I end up just yeah, like scrubbing dishes in um, like a local Italian family restaurant that she like. A 10, 15 minute walk up the road from my uh, from my parents' house. Um, I finished school and they just kind of either roll home and they roll straight in there and just go from there, sort of thing. But it was just one of those things, you know. You had a bunch of older dudes and uh, and girls kind of standing behind the line, just slinging out food and the rest of it. And just me, super naive with no sort of understanding of the industry whatsoever, just kind of stood there in like a pot wash with a hose and. Uh, a goofy fucking smile on my face, just trying to <laughs> looking looking for direction or something like that, you know. Um, just one of those things, you know. Just as as you kind of sat there and scrubbed dishes, you just absorbed so much viral osmosis of what was going on and just how these guys kind of interacted with each other. You know, it was just because uh, as a, I, you know, they got like a bit older and things like that. And I kind of worked out about you know Anthony Bourdain and things like that and um, this whole kitchen confidential thing, where it's just. Mm-hmm. You start making those realizations and those connections, um, and have that understanding a little bit more of like you know where where you've come from, where you're going, and how it's been sort of thing. But yeah, like scrubbing dishes with this Italian family it was just yeah, as well, man. I literally just did it just to 
scrap some cash together, buy some beers or buy some weed or something like that on the weekend. Just mates. <laughs> and, um, you know, at the time, you know, you, you, get, you got money in your pocket, your mates are like, yeah, fuck it, let's, let's go and enjoy it as much as possible. But, um, yeah, there was uh, there was an evening where um, one of the guys just called in sick sort of thing. It's just like, right, well, let's, let's chuck the pot washer on the salad and pizza section to see what happens. And Fucking apes. Yeah, man. It was, it was one of those things, you know what I mean? You're like, fuck, I'm incredibly out of my depth with no idea of what the fuck's going on and um, what's about well, to happen, but fuck just it. roll with the punches. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. Fuck it. Yes, absolutely. Just roll so, with the punches. And I feel like a lot of chefs are coming as dishwashers. That's how they get their chance, right? Somebody calls out. Somebody pulls a no-call, no-show. Yeah, they put absolutely. you on, and then you fucking shine and, you know, fucking take off. Well, that's just it, but also at the same point in time, you know, how much how much can you actually shine when you're like 15 or 16 years old sort of thing? As, um, Absolutely. I think the thing for me was just like, you know, obviously you're standing in a pot wash scraping shit out of trays and uh, changing bins and running crap backwards and forwards to post a standing on the line, you know, talking shit with one another and sending food sort of thing. And to me, that was, it was a very clear <laughs> opportunity. It's just like, right, we can evolve from... Uh, from the plunge into a into a commie and get um, exponentially better treatment sort of thing. Um, okay. And so for me, that was a no-brainer. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, um, get on. So after that, um, see, there go me. See, I'm saying um again. I got to get past yeah, it. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. You, you went on to work for Chef Brad. Oh, uh, uh, look, my... I think I think my career is like a young chef sort of thing. So I um like me being a pot washer sort of thing, I was still in high school and the rest of it, struggling getting through that. Ended up in turn spending more time in the workplace than I did actually at school. Oh shit. Um and it just it it seemed to make a bit more sense to me, sort of thing. You know, your like numbers and shit like that didn't really make sense when I was a bit younger that I'm um, opposed to you know, breaking down a steak or peeling a vegetable and dicing an onion. You know, it's, it was yeah. practical skills that you were learning sort of thing that um, I, could, I could put into, you know, day-to-day life and the rest of it. Um, and, look, I, I stayed with these guys for a couple of years sort of thing and kind of, I guess, made my bones with them and then moved off into the industry where I kind of moved into more of a restaurant scene opposed to like a, a cafe restaurant sort of thing. And um, it was over those... Over a vast couple of years, I think it was like a good four or five years, I think I kind of grew as like a commie chef or a first year apprentice rather. Um, Excuse me. My eyes kind of opened up a little bit more, you know, I did um, this like high-end dining at this place called Brett's Wharf, which is no longer existent in, um, in Brisbane, but, you know, there was, I'm sorry to quote it, but it was like Anthony Bourdain's juggernaut, mate, like you'd go in there and you'd be boshing food out the door breakneck speed sort of thing to, you know, Damn. thousand, thousand punters sort of thing. Um, and it was just, I think where I really kind of found myself in regards to the industry was, as you were saying, when I met, uh, when I met Brad Jolly and, um, moved into to Alchemy Restaurant, in, um, in Brisbane's Eagle Street Pier sort of thing, where he was, you know, Brad had worked around Europe, he'd done the travels, he'd done the Michelin star cooking and things like that. Yeah. You know, he had the discipline, he had the temperament, he was, it, it, he was the dude on the scene, you know what I mean? Like yeah. people kind of looked at him. He was he was the bad boy in a sense. Um, yeah, and... I, I did my you know I did my research on him, and because you know I read your your bio and then I looked him up, and he was a fucking monster, man. 
No, <laughs> that's the best way to describe fucking Brad Jolly, mate. <laughs> he is a fucking monster. <laughs> um, yeah, I oh, do. Like, um, as as I said, like he he taught me things that you know at the time you're not really realizing what's going on, sort of thing. But the levels of discipline. Uh, sustainability and just obviously, you know, camaraderie and constitution that comes with that level of cookery. You just, you know, at, at first you're like, this guy's just being a dick. You know, he's he's just he's just fucking me for the sake of fucking me sort of thing. But at the same time, um, you know, you walk out of that kitchen, it's like, God damn, you know, like I've gone from here to here. And you walk you walk into your next restaurant and uh, you start start making moves and shuffles and things like that. And you start looking at other people and just like, where the fuck did you clowns come from? <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got you've got that level of that level of integrity that you want to stand by and obviously yeah, push yeah. onto other individuals. Where you just you, you're sitting there looking at these people, it's just like, how 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 the fuck do you guys get out of bed and put your clogs on? Damn. Like, what's what's going on? Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say Brad Brad definitely prepared me for. Um, for making the move from Australia to the UK, sort of thing, and moving to London. Um, but at the same time, like, that move was... It, it was it was a fucking tough time, man. You know, you pack up on your own, you pack your life into a bag, you move to the other side of the world where you know no one, and you just kind of, you know, you start fresh. You learn a lot about yourself very fucking quickly. I mean, I wish, you know... I wish I had the opportunity to do something like that, man. And it was, you know, it, it was a dream of mine when I was 15. Yeah. I had the, the basic uh, line cook dream, 15. Oh, I'm going to go to fucking Paris. I'm going to get a shitty apartment. I'm going to bust my ass. And <laughs> un- unfortunately that, you know, not not unfortunately, I couldn't pursue that because I had yeah. my daughter. So yeah. once I had my daughter, you know, my, my priorities changed. No, absolutely, mate. Yeah. So I, I always told myself, what my life would have been if I would have went to Paris and followed that journey of becoming the best chef in the world. But, you know, uh, circumstances change and you can't do it. So oh, hats, off, hats off to you for taking that leap and just heading out and chasing it, man. Uh, it's, it's one of those things, man. Like, if, if, if shit's not working for you in your current situation, you've got you to remove yourself from it and, um, and make the best out of it sort of thing. But as I said, you know, like, packing my life up into a fucking single bag and moving to the other side of the world where I didn't know anyone. You just, you, you start questioning, you know, what you're doing with yourself and uh, your values and where you're going sort of thing. You know, um, you know, everyone's, everyone's got that kind of like romantic notion in their head that, you know, oh, you know, we will move to the other side of the world or work in a, in a different country and learn a language and the cuisine and all that sort of stuff. You know, the romantic notion about it is like, yeah, it's fucking great to talk about, but the logistical side of it is a fucking nightmare. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to lie, man. The first two years living in London was probably the most depressing time of my fucking life. I'm sorry Um, to laugh, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) The way you stated it, man, I'm sorry. No, but the thing is, you've got to, you've got to see the silver lining and everything, you know, like, you, you, you look at where you've come from and where you are now sort of thing. And um, if I didn't go through what I went through then, I wouldn't be where I'm at now sort of thing. You know, I'm I'm 35, I'm happily married. Myself and my wife own a house and the rest of it for some of the development properties and shit. So it's just, you know, pot kettle black in that sort of sense. You just, you, you just roll through with it and um, make the very fucking best of it. But, you know, you've got to 
really appreciate the good times when you've known the fucking bad sort of thing. Um, I was just like, when I, when I worked at the Ledbury sort of thing, where I bombed out fucking chronically, you know, you work in 16-hour day shifts. And I was living with a bunch of people that I'd never met before in my life, that never interacted with anyone, never, no one kind of like hung out or spoke. You come home to like passive-aggressive notes on a fucking whiteboard saying, take your laundry out or this or that. It's just like, what the fuck's this shit, you know? Just finish the 16, 18 hour day, walk through the door, see that, go to have a shower, no hot water, no hot water you know, man. and you're just like, I cannot get the level of grease or fucking tang off me, you know, and you just, <laughs> you crawl into a fucking shitty fold out fucking couch sort of thing and be like, oh, yeah, this is, this is fucking living, you know, this is, this is the dream I wanted to live, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's, it's going, it's going down that fucking line of, you know, you've got to you've got to experience every sort of level of it to realize what you what you want to do and where you want to go, sort of thing. So it's just, yeah, it's just just fucking manic, mate. <laughs> I mean, it, it must have been, you know, it was challenging, but if you look back at it, it's probably fucking. It was probably oh no, look, I I look back on it now, and I I, I find myself saying to myself quite often, it's just like if I came out a little bit older and a little bit more mature. I reckon I would have been able to stick it out a bit longer. But I think it's because that level of like naivety and just like, you know, you're, you're tired, you're malnourished, you're fucking just completely wiped sort of thing. You just, you start making excuses to yourself that, you know, you want to get out of there and find a, find a better option and shit like that. And I never yeah. ended up working in like some shitty fucking pub in, um, in Notting Hill called the Fat Badger, which was just... It was an institution in its own right, mate. Um, oh, God, it's debaucherous. Um, but it's just like from there, I kind of ended up going like out to the south of France and doing like a ski season in a hotel sort of thing. It's just, you know, you end up making moves and moving directions you wouldn't necessarily do. But unless... shit, the south of France, though, mate, come on. That must have uh, fucking... yeah. been fucking nice, man. No, dude, it was, it was something else. Like, the, food, the food wasn't what we expect what i had in mind sort of thing you know obviously we were sitting there we were cooking for the english masses and things like that so they wanted heavy stodgy food and shit like that so there's okay. nothing elegant about it just rich flavors like we're talking like daub with jus and speck and uh button mushrooms and mashed potatoes and yeah. shit like that you know okay, they were just okay. like they were lapping that up and they're like oh what's next day and you're like oh we got lamb shank with sweet potato mash and blah 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 like it was basic as fuck it was, it was horrendous <laughs> but i had the realization that i wasn't out there to cook i was out there to ski okay. and that's that's precisely what we did you know myself and a couple of the other other guys that kind of live right next door to us in the hotel we just would be up every morning like crack of dawn top of the top of the piece sort of thing throwing ourselves down the mountain skiing some of the best fucking mountains i've skied in a long time you know what I mean? um uh, fucking amazing man <laughs> dude it was it was a good couple of months. Like, it was a good eight months, man. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just look back on that sort of thing to see where you've gone from, what you've been through, and uh, and uh, how it's all kind of playing out. It, you know, you, you enjoy it all for what it's worth sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. So, going back to London, you said that uh, London opened your eyes to the new world of commercial cookery. In what sense? Um... Like growing up, growing up in Australia, everything was very, very casual and laid back sort of thing. And um, at, the, at the same time, like yeah, the food scene, 
was kind of like that, but you know, there were certain restaurants you could work out where you got more discipline than the rest of it. But moving, I guess, moving to London, that um, as you said, kind of opened my eyes to it all. That there's just so much going on. You know, it's it's like the same sort of time when we went to New York with my buddies and just kind of, you know, we ate at Momofuku Co. We went to Eleven mm-hmm. Madison. We drank a fucking dead rabbit and like the botanist and all that sort of shit. You know, there's just there's so much going on in such a highly populated area sort of thing that you could wander past something and sneeze and you'd you'd fucking miss it completely you know mm. you've got you've got a bengali restaurant next to a thai restaurant next to a modern iranian right next door to a classic french sort of thing that there's just there's so much going on in the one condensed space that you're so spoiled for choice that you're just like oh fuck what what do i do you know um what um what do I go do to kind of quench my thirst and that sort of sense? But it's just the cooking techniques and things like that that I saw when I got here like 10 years ago. It was just, you know, it's when sous vide and all that sort of nonsense were coming into play. And, uh, yeah. you know, and that went from sous vide to, to the whole molecular thing where everyone was sticking shit in liquid nitrogen or adding far too many chemicals to something to turn into a deconstructed something, which in turn ended up being itself sort of thing. Um, Let's... again. Let's touch base on it. Let's touch base on that real quick. I'm sorry to cut you off, but let's touch base on this whole molecular thing, right? Yeah. I I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But at the same time, I'm a I'm a pan kind of guy. You know, yeah, fuck butter. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Get yeah. get them stained over arm. the top. Exactly. Get the phone that's, on the go. That's yeah. why I am. So no disrespect to that movement, but I just it never really grasped my attention as much yeah, as it should have. That's fair enough. That's fair enough, man. Um, my my current sous chef, he loves it. He sends everything for a fucking swim, but at the same time, <laughs> it's like we can we can cook this prawn at fucking sixty two. Oh, sorry, forty two degrees for this and that. Da da da. I was like, just check on the fucking grill, mate. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, you could <laughs> you could at least try to do fifty fifty, right? Like if you're gonna yeah, speak, exactly halfway, put in the fucking pan, put a nice yeah. here. Basic, but yeah, but, but at the same time, save me the money, don't waste me the bag. Yeah, like <laughs> we're talking, we're talking GP and running a fucking professional restaurant here. Like, save me Absolutely. a fucking bag, pal. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, it's just like look, the, the, the level of cookery that comes to Suhang is, is is phenomenal. Um, and, and like some of the fishes and things like that, like some of the guys I work with at um, at Scully Restaurant, you know, we were doing like dry aged fish. Like hanging it like meat sort of thing, obviously removing the gills, the guts, and all the all the crap yeah. in there, and just like letting the fish hang like a cut of meat. Um, would break down like halibut, pop them in bags, sous vide them, and then last minute just nap it with like a curry butter or curry emulsion sort yeah. of thing. And you've got like the most intensely flavored tender fish under the sun. It was just like yeah, time and a place for it. But if you're chucking everything in a box in a in a, in a bath and sending it for a swim, it's just yeah. It's just fucking pointless. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so what's the, you know, I've noticed because I'm a big fan. This might sound tacky, right? But I'm a big fan of movies that are filmed in London. Yeah, right. So I love, I love the accent. I love the fucking slang. Mm. I love, I love the whole thing, man. The whole kit and caboodle, huh? And and I try myself trying to do it, but it just don't sound right. So I just stopped it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um. I see. I see that there's a lot of Indian influence out there, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So Indians are uh, so in, as regards to a culture, has seen as Asian. 
Asian. Okay. In the UK, so it doesn't matter if you're you're Japanese, Chinese, uh, Taiwanese, Balinese, or whatever. It's it's all kind of seen as your Asian sort of thing. Whereas in Australia, there's a much different sort of separation in regards to you know I'm Australian or this or that. Da da da. There's that differentiation sort of thing. But yeah, there's there's a lot of Indian input in the UK. Like the curry scene is huge. There's a place in um, East London down in um, down near Brick Lane where literally you just walk straight down Brick Lane and there's just shop after shop after shop of curry houses. And don't be wrong, some are good, some are shit. Some are just absolute fucking diamonds, but it's one of those things, it's one of those chances that you you have to kind of make sort of thing wandering down there. But I think in all, London nowadays has kind of taken on the entire ethos of more worldly cooking. More worldly cooking, okay. okay. Yeah, so like you've got like... After obviously the whole Copenhagen thing and the the influx from Nome and all yeah. that sort of stuff, you got the whole Nordic scene kind of popping in there. But um, you know, like the restaurant we opened with some buds a couple of about a year ago called Scully. Um, our head chef Ramel Scully, Malaysian based sort of thing, cooking. Grew up in Australia, cooking Australian Malay fusion. In turn, working for Yotam Watalangi, so Middle East and Asian fusion in turn going to his own restaurant and doing his own thing. Like we had a, we had a, a fermented corn and koji rice, a wrapper, which is obviously in a wrapper is a like yeah. a, um, <clears throat> fried corn cake sort of thing, which went with a, a bergamot lubna. And obviously you've got an Italian influence with like a, a Middle Eastern sort of influx. And then his mother's, um, what was it? An aubergine sambal tomas. So you've got like, Five or six and six different type of cuisines being brought together for like one single dish, but it fucking works, man. That sounds fucking amazing. Like it literally worked on so many levels that people just could not get their head around it, and that was yeah, that that was the man's biggest fucking set of like fucking fried wrapper with bergamot love there and uh, some of our like boom, could not make it up. Damn. Okay, I need to man. I, I need to get out there, man. Oh, look, absolutely, mate. If you you come out to London, give me a shout, man. I'm more than happy to put you up and uh, send you on a fucking food tour. You know, you you and uh, Perry, I keep in contact with both of you guys, man. Oh, uh, G. Perry. Yeah, he, he's, <laughs> man, let me tell you something, man. That guy, he's 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 a grinder, man. He don't fucking no, stop, he is. man. He's a fucking monster, that I'm, one. I've been trying to get you guys to, 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 to um, link up because you guys look like you guys can do some shit together, man. Yeah, absolutely. He's um he's he's moved up north to um oh, fuck, I can't even think of it for the life of me, but he's he's like three hours outside of um outside of London, sort of thing. But um yeah, no, he's he's a good egg considering where he's come from and what he's doing with himself was like fucking good for you. So there is there is a bit of banter that goes backwards and forwards between the two of us, more so like bravado than anything else. Oh yeah, yeah. Just like big up your chef, keep doing this, da 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 da. You know, fucking tuck in the gorilla, all that sort of stuff. So fucking, <laughs> man, shouts to Gorilla Perry, man. Like, good fucking guy. He's the fucking, he's the don, mate. <laughs> he's got the fucking dons, huh? Um. So, uh, we talked about Central Pay. Let's get, let's go back to Central Pay. Yeah, quick. man. Central all right, Pay. So. Yeah. So how so so how you got that job? Uh, oh, I would love a fucking another martini. Yeah, wait. Uh, yeah, sorry. Saint Tropez. Um, that came out of fucking nowhere, sort of thing. Listen, it was, I, um, I, 
I just asked my wife to bring me another beer, so I understand. <laughs> I'll literally have my father-in-law wondering. He'd be like, another martini? I'm like, I fucking love a martini, bro. Um, Saint-Tropez came out as, like, literally out of nowhere. I was um, I was doing some, like, random temp work with some guys in a, uh, in a pub in Primrose Hill in, um, in North London that was owned by Laurence Olivier's daughter, Tamsin. So Laurence Olivier, the old actor sort of thing. So it was, um, okay. it was kind of pub that all the celebrities kind of went to, but went to because they knew they wouldn't get bothered. You okay. know what I mean? Like you, you'd have like fucking Woody Harrelson sitting there smashing next Benedict next to Sasha Baron Cohen having is, a fucking. Is that the place with the stained glass windows? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. Um, that's the one. But um, I was I was doing some tent work there for a buddy and um. Some dude that I met a while ago just called up. He's like, "Look, I need a, I need a, need a chef." Ah, it's, it was like a, it was like a two month contract working in Saint Tropez for a family. Um, I was just like, "Oh yeah, what's it pay?" Sort of thing. You know, at the end of it, you know, it's fifteen hundred a week, sort of thing. Um, obviously, supplying breakfast, lunch, blah 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 blah. I'm like, that that sounds crazy, you know. So you're looking after a family in their own private villa, kind of. Top of Sanchez Bay Hill. I was going to say Sanchez Bay Mountain, but it's kind of like Sanchez Bay Hill sort of thing. But it was just the money out there was just it was Fucking obnoxious insane. and disgusting. Like there we are. Wait, wait, wait. Like don't be wrong, mate. Like I, I love suiting up and heading out and having a fucking nice meal. And enjoy myself with my wife, things like that. But just the level of it was just fucking. <sighs> It, yeah, like you've got you got super yachts pulling up to the point that some pricks just lowered the back of his super yacht to drive out with a bright purple fucking Hummer. You know, let's let's be realistic. The streets of Saint Tropez are so fucking skinny that the yeah. only thing driving down that two way street is a fucking Hummer. So this fucking prick is literally taking up the entire road whilst everybody sits there calmly and patiently to drive up on their vespers and the rest of it. It's just like, oh, <laughs> this is this is fucking bad, man. But you know, I'm getting 1,500 pounds in cash in my pocket just to cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner for these, like this family of four, um, and just literally having free reign to, to run around San Tropez with a car or a Vespa or whatever the fuck I wanted sort of thing. It's just like, look, we don't care what you do. Just make sure the food's on the table at 1 p.m. and um, 7 p.m. So, yeah, sick. So, literally, San Tropez was my playground for a couple of months. Um you know, you you go to like their nightclub down there, and you know it's like a hundred and something euros to just get through the front door, and then everyone's oh, just no, kind of no, like, no. Oh. it's like it's like bottle service, like in Vegas sort of thing. Like I um I stayed at the Cosmopolitan a couple of years ago, and um uh, just kind of rinsed through Vegas with a couple of buddies sort of thing. But it's just everything was just fucking bottle service, and just you know if you're not dropping five six hundred and get out of the fucking door sort of thing, it's just like fuck, like how how do you people live like this? Um. Like, don't be wrong, you position yourself well, and you get looked after financially. Um, obviously, I left, I left San Tropez, I did a bunch of other shit, and in turn, I've kind of gone back to private chefing um, and working for myself for a bit, but that was done in the, in the regards to, you know, it, it paid for a flat for myself and all my wife. You know, we, we paid for our own wedding straight off the bat sort of thing. Obviously, we had parents come to us and be like, oh, we've got money, you know, you'd like to, like to... Like to take it, it's like what what strings come to that? Like you've got to invite so and so and this and that. It's like, well, hang on a second. This is this is our wedding. 
Yeah. We we don't want them there. We want to have a party of a lifetime. And, you know, I'm sorry, they're either one dampeners or two. We don't know them. So we just forked out. I think it was like, oh, fuck. I want to say it was like 55,000. What? For a fucking wedding in central London, man. Yeah, it was, I, it was I fucking about spending twenty thousand. No, 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 we, 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 like a gentleman's handshake with a lot of uh, a lot of people around town. And the thing, the biggest thing for us is like, obviously, me and my mates have all kind of uh, catered for weddings for one another yeah. and things like that. But you know, there's the there's something frustrating about going to a mate's wedding, you know, cooking out of love for them and the rest of it. And then one of his fucking prick obnoxious guests turns around and like clicks his fingers at you and is like, can I get another serving? I was like, motherfucker, I'm a guest. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm doing a courtesy here for a bud. You're treating me like this? So like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, so we, we just, yeah, right there and there, just like, fuck it. We'll get a caterer. We'll get a bartenders. We'll get the fucking DJ. We'll just, we'll pay for it. Um, but it was because of the private household work and the private chefing that put us in that position, you know, mm-hmm. like, don't be wrong. It was, some of the times was fucking horrible, you know, standing there till fucking 12 o'clock at night waiting for the order to, to cook somebody something. But they never came home. Or you're about to walk out the door and the, the lady of the house has come in with fucking 12 of her friends is pissed up. She's like, I want a canopy party right now. Like, uh, see, in, in that aspect, everybody thinks the private chef life is cool. But no, that aspect, mate. It's kind of fucked up. <laughs> no, bro, it's it's fucked on so many levels. Like, there's nothing glamorous about it. Like, if you're working for a Russian household, you're fucked. Um, <laughs> like, I I had a super cool English slash Texas family who literally just gave me a car. They're like, don't worry about fuel, don't worry about anything. Just fucking again, as long as food's on the table by five o'clock for the kids and uh, a couple of meals are stashed away in the fridge. Just fucking happy days. Go about your business. Just think of this as, a, as an offshot sort of thing. It's like, cool. Why can't you all be like this? Um, but no, some private households, mate, are absolute grinds. Absolute fucking grinds. And I if there's budding chefs out there thinking that, you know, it'll be great and fantastic, I second guess it. <laughs> go listen, go for a restaurant job. Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. A while back, I had a job. I can't say the person's name, but yeah. his family his family owns a whole bunch of resorts, and he was he married uh some some daughter that she owned like her parents owned this big magazine. Oh yeah. shit! Like it was, it was insane. It was yeah. in Southamptons, right? <laughs> right? So I I'm this story is amazing. So I went out there, and I worked. I did a trail, got the job. Right? He gave me like yeah. two hundred bucks for like a day. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, great. So I get called back. I get the job. As soon as I get there, he says, listen, I'm going to set you up in the attic. I'm like, oh, man, he's going to put me in the fucking attic. Brother, I get to the attic. I'm like, holy shit. I'm in the fucking attic. You know, it was insane, man. And mind you, I was only there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I was getting paid about $1,100 a week. Only to be there three days a week. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? One, one, uh, you know, time passed. I, it's, it's like two months in. His wife is gone for the weekend, right? So, you know, I drive up there with my little Hanzo cord that I had. Yeah. And I park in, in in a certain part of the of his humongous parking lot in the front. And yeah. his friends start pulling up Ferrari, Bugatti, such and such, whatever. And then the guy comes in. He says, oh, you must be the guy with the Hanzo cord. 
And the person says, hey, stop, that's my chef. Please don't disrespect him like that. Yeah, fucking boom. Don't so, dude, so, so now it's live. They're drinking. They're having a blast. He says, hey, go to the garage. There's a Sub-Zero uh, fridge in there. Bring back, like, 15 bottles. Yeah. Okay, this is going to take me a while. You know what I'm saying? So mm. as I'm gathering up all the bottles, but I first get to the garage, and it's, like, three luxurious cars in there that this man probably hasn't touched like in years so i i i come back and this is the reason why i'm not saying his name i come back and there's hookers in there man yeah and there's drugs dude there's drugs mushrooms cocaine this and that yeah he says he says Chef Mo, come on, sit down, have a blast so i sit down down, open the bottles i drink a little bit he introduced me to this girl and I said, you know what? I am okay. I am the only colored person here. She's a white woman. There's drugs. I'm going to yeah. go to my room. I don't yeah. feel comfortable with her. <laughs> That's going on. Fuck, man. I can't believe these people live like this, man. No, every day. Every fucking day. Like, it is mental. I um, I looked out for family in, uh, in Vienna of a, quite a prominent car company. And uh, there was a few occasions where the, uh, the, the sons were like, yeah, chef, come out, hang out, it'd be cool. You know, mum's away, it's fine. You know, enjoy yourself. And then inevitably you go out, you'd have a couple of drinks and the rest of it. And then uh, three, four days later, you get fucking hung out to dry by them because these fuckers have got nothing better to do with their lives than fuck with people. <laughs> so I was just like, you know what, fuck that shit. Like, as, as you were saying, like the, like the cars and the fast women and shit, like the amount of fucking boutique luxury cars I've driven. Yeah, it's fucking mental, mate. Um, <laughs> at the same time, I'm quite fucking happy in my fucking mini minor. You know what I mean? Exactly. Man. <laughs> like having to drive around town in my mini minor with my fucking fluffy dog and my wife. Um, you know, <laughs> what more All could right. you want? I'm sorry, man. We we got off topic there for a yeah, I'm sorry, fine. man. It's good. It's a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you worked for a restaurant. That became Forbes, like, best restaurant in London or something like that? Yeah, that would have been Scully. Scully? Scully Restaurant. Yeah, Scully Restaurant. So we launched... Oh, God, when was that? What are we? We're 2020, yeah? Um, we launched that probably about two and a bit years ago. So myself... Um, I, met, I met Scully when I was working at Otter Legging. He was um, the development chef for your time. I ended up being um, the senior sous chef at... Um, your Thames restaurant, uh, Nopi. Um, and over time, me and Scully end up becoming maids. We end up living together and things like that. And um, it's obviously, you know, people's careers move in different directions. And, um, and every, you know, they all kind of come back together. But um, Scully, Scully was given an opportunity to obviously launch his own restaurant, which he did in, uh, in central London, in um, St. James Market, which is close to Piccadilly Circus. For those of you that, may or may not know london but um is that, rest- is that is that the big market that has emmy winehouse's um um sculpture in it no right? no, 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 no 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 so piccadilly circus is kind of the offshoot of like you've okay. got like the oxford circus um amy winehouse things like that it's more kind of heading up towards like the camden way and things like that okay. which is more of a more of a more of a relaxed sort of um brooklyn sort of vibe uh, right. i think it's probably the best bit but um like where Scully's was, it was more of a, more like Manhattan in a sense. Okay. 
you know, you've got you've got business, you've got residential, you've got restaurants, you've got everything under the sun. You know, you've got a Lamborghini dealer down the road next to a fucking sparkly fucking bag sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, Scully's, Scully's the Lifty's restaurant. Um, and it, it's done fucking incredibly fucking well. And as, as you said, you know, it's uh, it got picked up by Forbes. Um, what we were doing there was a combination of classic and modern cooking um, with a lot of fermentation, dehydration, um, and things like that sort of thing. So we we had an incubator downstairs. We had things like nuka, which is kind of like um, like a natural compost, okay. which should be rotated in and out, which would you know cake up obviously root vegetables that we'd bake in the compost. Um, same again with the koji rice and the arepa. Um, at the same time, you know, we'd make our own kind of like ferments, pickles, all that sort of nonsense. Um, oh, you know, we had this, scratch. yeah, literally, man. Like we had this, uh, we had this shrub, this tomato shrub. So in, uh, in Thailand, like a shrub is a, uh, what is it? It's, it's like, it technically is, it's, it's a, a fruity liquid with vinegary tones sort of thing or spices and things like that with aromats. So we ended up doing one with, um, beef tomatoes. Uh, white soy sauce, a bunch of other aromats, things like that, where we kind of let it sit there and ferment for up to about 12 weeks in these massive buckets. Um, so obviously the tomatoes break down. Uh, inevitably, you end up kind of like you separate the liquid from the tomatoes, sucks, you pass yeah. the tomatoes through in a mooling, and then in turn you feed the acidic vinegar back into the tomatoes, sort of thing, reseason and go from there. But uh, you bring it back up to temp to pasteurize it. But this, the flavor that came with these tomatoes was fucking horrendous. And just like, I, I never would have come across this if I didn't work with fucking Scully. Like he's the guy, he's just a fucking mad scientist. You know, he just, he'll sit in his room and smoke God knows how many fucking splits and just lose himself in his book. <laughs> um, but the food the guy's coming out with is just fucking next level. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's all natural. You know, there's no adding like Malto or fucking, any other like Sosa products and stuff like that sort of thing, but like the the intensity and the umami you got from like this tomato shrub was just, just fucking crazy, mate. Um, we just used to drink it with tequila, so you know you have like a pickleback sort of thing with um, shot of whiskey and pickle juice. We do the grub and the shrub, so tequila or mezcal with um with the shrub, it fucking knocks you for six, mate. But uh, yeah, Scully's Scully's just blew up, man. Like they've literally just shut their doors as well due to obviously uh, old COVID. Um, I saw the boys the other day after coming out of a meeting. They were just out in the front drinking whiskey at like eleven o'clock in the morning. Just like, what else do we do, chef? I'm like, fuck, man, I don't know. <laughs> just hey, listen, man. Down. I think I think with all this going on right now, it's going to be a lot of people drinking a whole lot more because there's nothing to yeah, stay in the house yeah, and fucking yeah. drink, man. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think I think I'll take the moment to try and write a cookbook or something. Something productive. <laughs> Fucking dope. Oh man, nah. Um, so so now just catches up with with, with everything between then and now. Yeah. Uh, right. So obviously, I I, I left Scully. I worked for a bunch of guys, kind of like dashed around London. Uh, one's an ex ex DJ sort of thing. He's ended up opening up a. A nice little monopoly of restaurants sort of thing, and that didn't, that really didn't end up agreeing with me. But I kind of, I landed in this place called Nutshell, which is um, an Iranian restaurant. Before people start freaking out, fucking Iran and all that sort of shit, they're actually really fucking cool people. Uh, <laughs> super chilled. The cuisine itself is very, 
played back and delicate. Um, obviously, you got like the like the barbarian coast and the Middle East and things like that, where it's like super spiced and heavy on flavors and things like that. Whereas like the Iranian cuisine is uh, a little bit more dialed back. Some might say bland, but it's more subtle in a sort of sense. Um, so you use a lot of like dehydrated black limes, a lot of sumac, saffron, and um, all those sort of things like barberries and uh, mulberries for seeds and things like that. So these guys have been open for about six months. Um, that a couple of bodies through prior to me. I read and The Last Chef went to work on somewhere else, right? Yeah. So I just, I, I guess it just, it just didn't work out for them in that sort of sense. It just, there was something, not something that was clicking with them. Um, and so in turn, when I met them, I, I, kitchen. I think within three weeks, I had a whole new kitchen thing. Um, still running on the same menu that the owners had, which was obviously working quite well, um, with the intention to obviously flip the menu sort of thing quite quickly. Um, but we got the team up to scratch, got them all trained, like deep clean the fuck out of this kitchen. It was crazy. Even for six months old, like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. Mind blown. Um, and then, yeah, like, got it all back up to scratch, and then, yeah, man, this shit happens. You know what I mean? Like, Literally yeah, about to sucks, do a full press launch, full menu launch, and all the rest of it. It's just like fuck, right? So, so I've gone into. I'm sorry, control. No, I thought you was finished. Go ahead, chef. My apologies. <laughs> no, dude, I was just about to say before going into full fucking, you know, damage control mode. Like, if you can't chuck it in a vat pack bag and freeze it, what do you fucking do with it? But yeah, it's about it, man. What What made you want to get into Iranian food? I think I think I just gravitated towards it like it might sound strange it's not like it's more so the the opportunity that was presented towards me in regards okay. to taking you know, my own kitchen but also having the the understanding of obviously one Middle Eastern cuisine Iranian food and styles things like that that it kind of just absorbed me a little bit more into it right. um and it's just yeah. Well, look, when you when you get given a platform, when it's a brand spanking new restaurant, Absolutely. with all the new toys and bells and whistles, oh, um, yeah. you know you, you you definitely gonna count your chickens before they roost. Um, and you grab that work shit. Out what's, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't I don't know many people in uh, in London who are in that position where they're walking into a brand spanking new restaurant. Where okay, yeah, it is. Iranian cuisine and Middle Eastern cuisine, which I've got absolutely no drama, you know, cooking, tasting, eating, and uh, and developing. But some people are like, oh, do you feel like you've, uh, you know, you've been put into a corner in regards to what you can create? So sort I of think it's just like, well, I don't feel that's the case at all. I think I've been put in a situation where one, I have to dig more into an actual cuisine absolutely. and a stylized of people to really understand what the cuisine itself is about, opposed oh, to just yeah. going, just, uh, you know, throw some fucking sumac at it or, you know, grate some of this over the top and add a bit of Ras Halhanut and away you go sort of thing. But, like, properly dig in and fucking research this. So I was just like, you know what? I, I feel, one, blessed and privileged to have the opportunity to work for these guys. And, um, you know, like, we literally just finished closing down the restaurant today. Like, got the guys in to fucking strip the fucking place. I was just like, look, guys, I'm, I'm going to take a bunch of shit with me. 
because I'm going to go home and do recipe testing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not... I'm not going to sit at home and twiddle my thumbs and work on my fucking Xbox game. Um, like, let's do something fucking productive. Like, something productive needs to come out of this. Otherwise, we're just going to, in turn, come back defeated and not ready to go. So um, that's, that's exactly why I decided to just do audio podcasts, man. I yeah. Uh, I got to you, huh? I got to keep going, man. Even though I can't shoot in the studio, man, I have to keep going, man. Well, that's just it. Like, even if, even if it, one, it's not generating income or anything like that, it just gives you it gives you a sense of obviously of earning you you're going you're going through the motions you've you've got that routine you know i think the problem is when something like this happens people just get complacent and be like you know what oh fuck it i'm gonna, I'm gonna sit at home smoke a bowl and do fuck all sort of thing mm-hmm. whereas you know those that prosper and end up benefiting from such a tragedy are those that maintain continue the consistency and then in turn come out with a fucking end product and be like what have you done for the last six weeks three months whatever sort of thing you know i've got fucking this 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 and this and you use that as a stepping stone you know what i mean to jump into your next thing i think it's brilliant man like i think it's absolutely fucking brilliant that you know you've taken the time to yourself to you know really invest into it good for you ah uh, thank you man i'm just trying to do a full culture man that's all yeah just for the culture <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, let's let's okay. So now I usually end the show with asking these three basic questions, right? Yeah. But they're not, but they're not really basic because you know it, you you get to see how each individual chef thinks, you know. Yeah, sure. This is how I feel about about my three questions that I ask everybody. Um, what what was the first dish that had you feel like yo? I got this chef shit now packed, like I'm good. To know, mate. <laughs> like, that's that's a fucking hard one, huh? I, mean, I think it's just working a fucking barbecue or working a grill tub where you've got X amount of different cuts of meat at all different temperatures going on and off at the same time. So I think it was it was one of those moments where we're going to Brett's Wharf where we're just like get a bunch of T-bones, a bunch of eye fillets, a bunch of fucking cooked to boff sort of thing. Making their way around the fucking grill top, and, you know, you you put them up all with different cuissons and send them out, and you know nobody's nobody's batting an eyelid or fucking getting pissed or anything like that. You're just like, yeah, I think I think I can make a go at this. <laughs> okay, right. I've got a got an understanding of it, but it's just from from kind of like slinging meat and things like that, it's just I think my style nowadays is more kind of like everything's a lot more delicate and a lot more downplayed in a sense and i think it's being able to actually realize flavors where most people are just like oh hang on a second there's not that big punchy fucking you know so like you're about to eat a brass band sort of thing you're having something a little bit laid down with like ah some some cheeky levels but yeah oh dude i'm rambling (laughs) nah bro listen (laughs) listen man i'm not listen this is a platform for you to say whatever you want to say yeah um Three common regards that you would sit down with that you would like have a shot of whiskey or yeah. martinis with. Three chef gods. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely Bourdain. Um, obviously, I read Kitchen Confidential when I was a kid, and that kind of had me hooked, sort of thing. It just gave me the sort of insight into what you, what you, what I wanted to do in my career and things like that. Um, Pierre Kaufman, in regards to obviously the classics. Things like that, like as I kind of moved into the cuisine, just you know the the levels of finesse 
and the finities that went into all the food really, really got me. And just like the level of fucking discipline. That's when you realize it's not just food. There's a lot more going on than just sticking shit on the fucking plate. Um, and then Daniel Horn, like, I know he probably doesn't sit down and do shots of whiskey. He's more busy trying to run a marathon nowadays, but he's just... That guy's a fucking monster. No, he is, mate. Like, I, I had... I had the opportunity to eat at 11 Madison when I was over in New York. We, we sat at the top of the horseshoe. Then Maitre D looked after us like we were fucking royalty. Um, and, and I did a tasting course in the kitchen with him. I met the man himself. Like I, I fucking spazzed out like a fucking schoolgirl in a John Bon Jovi concert, mate. Like it was, it was a proper fucking moment in life. I was just like, yeah, you've yeah. made it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like they, they're definitely the, the three most triumphant chefs in my uh, in my window, I guess. It's 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 always good when you get to meet. Fuck that! It's always great when you get to meet the person that inspires you, man. Well, that's just it. Some people say never meet your heroes, but I think at the same time, you know, there is something about it. You know, a level of satisfaction. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Man. Nice. What's what's people's biggest misconception about you? As a chef. As a chef. I enjoy going to a dinner party and cooking. <laughs> like, I'm a fucking guest, man. Yeah, man. That shit happens all the fucking time, man. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it's one of those things. Um, I, I think if people see a chef kind of walk through the door to any sort of social gathering, People kind of tend to take the back seat because they know nine times out of ten that a chef is going to kick into gear automatically mm-hmm. and take over. Uh, yeah, no. it is what it is. It's, it's happened a few times. I'm not going to name names or anything, but yeah, there's been a few few occasions where certain individuals have gotten pickled, and um, there's me cooking on my Todd for like 14. That's the worst, man. Yeah, it sucks. All I want to do is come, relax, have a drink, and eat. Exactly, yeah. man. I just want to sit on the couch, watch shit TV, and drink warm beer. Like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> fuck alone. <laughs> is that selfish? Nah, man. It ain't selfish at all, man. It's yeah. not selfish at all. Yeah, but hey, that's I, I appreciate you taking time to speak to me, man. I know it's a difficult situation, especially you, that you, I actually, you know, you just started off yeah. with a restaurant, and this happens, and... You know, the, the best thing for me is to do is just stay positive, man. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm lucky enough that, you know, I've did my time in all these restaurants in the city. Yeah. And I, de- I decided to go corporate. So I'm, I'm blessed where I, I'm still getting paid or I get half a check every week. Down. Yeah, You nice. know, so for all the chefs out there that are struggling right now, man, all the line cooks, man, just keep your head up. Yeah, absolutely, man. Chin eye, puff chest. Yeah, man. It's a, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's a tough situation, man. And, and from one day to the next, you know, I don't like talking about politics shit, man. I like being positive, but yeah, absolutely. I just have to sense of positivity out there for everybody who's at home and has no idea how they're going to earn a check or what they're going to do. So, I mean, hopefully all this turns around quick, you know? Well, absolutely. But I think also at the same time, like with, you know, such a shit situation that's been dealt with, obviously the, the levels of creativity that are about to percolate are going to be phenomenal. You know, people people will now have that opportunity to kind of create and express themselves a lot more. So I, I figure if you are a young chef or, you know, a, a senior chef in any sort of equation, take this opportunity, you know, and use use that platform to do as much as you humanly possibly can. You know, like, 
might be a shit situation, but just grasp it. Absolutely, man. Hey, Chef, I appreciate you being on the cover for the first Chef on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> Probably the most cheesiest fucking photo under the sun, huh? <laughs> uh, that shit was badass to me, man. <laughs> that shit was badass. Uh, I appreciate you taking time to speak to me now, man. You know, yeah, I know pleasure, man. that, you know, me with this platform, I'm on and off, but now Absolutely. I'm for sure on giving it 100%. And like I said, man, uh, I appreciate the support throughout the the years, man. Yeah, mate, not a a problem whatsoever. Look, if there's anything I can do to help out or help guide, you know, give me a hoi, man. I'm uh, I'm good to go. Um, Is there anything you want to say to anybody? (sighs) Fuck, man, I think I just need another beer, really. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, just like, look, to those, just, just, just be grateful for those out there that have obviously, one, taken the time to actually train you as a junior chef you know you may not realize it at the time but if somebody's been a fucking bit you know a bit snarky or something with you you know just just take that shit on the chin uh work through it and and push in there like every every cloud has its fucking silver lining but um especially working in kitchens it's it can be a hostile and volatile environment but you never realize what you're actually learning until you've left so just just seize every moment as you can that's i think that's the biggest one but yeah people to thank just anyone who's been in my life really and turn me to uh the man i am today sort of thing can't be more appreciative awesome yeah oh, all right chef thank you so much man no worries at all man take all care right, of yourself yeah well, all right wait don't hang up here because that was just for the show hey uh <laughs> edit that yeah. out please um Hey, listen, man, all jokes aside, thank you so yeah. much. Ah, dude, no, seriously, my absolute fucking pleasure. All right, straight off the bat, more than happy to do it, more than happy. You know, I'm honored to be involved. I've, I, you know, I've been following you, and I've seen your career fucking just take off, man. It's fucking awesome, man. Appreciate that, man. Cheers. Uh, it's, it's one of those things, man, like, you start in a new city, you don't know what to expect, and it's just like, shit goes left, front, fucking center. Like, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I've had a I've had a patchy fucking history, but I will say, obviously, meeting my wife a couple of years ago has definitely put me on the fucking straight and narrow. You know, it's crazy because I can say the same shit. I think every man, when you meet the right woman, says you're every, straight. Nah, you're fucking 100% right there, man. Like, straight up. Absolute what? fucking straight up. Hey, man, take care, chef. I appreciate it, man. No worries at all, man.